Wait, are we live? Oh, it's not good that she's not responding. It makes me think we might be live. That's okay. <laughs> I'll stay. I I don't stand by what I said. You know. You know. Yes, he does. No, I don't. I stand by. I stand by what he says for him. He believes it. <laughs> <laughs> no, whichever Josh. I forget. I forget what the hashtag was. But that that Josh won fair and square. God, I gotta respect it. Yeah, I gotta see the video. Josh respects Josh. <laughs> oh my goodness. I hope we're not live. I think we are. Ah, yeah, oh, damn. Oh, we are live. Okay, hello there, and welcome to the Co-Struction Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Anthony Wilkinson. My name is Linnea Anderson. I am not the one true Josh, but Josh Robbins. And I'm Paxton Cleaver, and this is uh, my line, McCroy. And this week, we have another guest host for you. Oh, yes. Hi. I'm uh, Robert Wasoski. I'm a helpful contributor. I hope he'll be mediating the discussion today. <laughs> yeah! And uh, in addition, as always, we have our producer, Shannery Goosen, watching over the sound for us. Um, but fun fact that I don't know if everyone on this podcast even knows, but actually the person who helped me conceive the original idea for this podcast is Robert right here. Um, he was the one who helped me come up with the original list and him and I had the idea because we used to play D&D together back in the day and we used to talk about world building and all that stuff and so we made like a random generator we were talking about making a random generator that would like help us come up with ideas for stories and arcs and stuff like that and it uh, eventually turned into the monstrosity that we use for this <laughs> podcast after I um, updated it with Josh and Linnea. Um, but so he's going to be jumping in and uh, he's going to be uh, showing us what he's got. Um, so for anyone who has not seen this podcast before, if this is your first time tuning in, um, essentially we're going to roll for several random words. They're going to be our influences, our major events, and our inhabitants for this world. Um, so I guess we're just going to jump right in. I'm, I'm feeling froggy and ready to go. So, uh, jump Josh, right in. if you can give us three numbers between one and 60. Oh, and another thing, we will not be reusing any words that we've already rolled previously this season. So Josh... Mm -hmm. Three numbers between one and 60, please. So I actually, I learned something. You have to pull like three numbers from random.org before you get a true random number. So our first number is going to be 47. 47. 47. Oh, we've already had that one. Roll again. All right. 22. 22. 22. Our first word, so this is one of our three influences, which is going to be the central themes throughout our piece. The first one is Lovecraftian. Josh, if you could go ahead and roll a second one for us. I will, mm -hmm. 60. 60, which is... Oh, rolled that one too. Roll another one. Yeah, we've had that one. Yeah, yeah that oh, was It gave me 60 again. Two. Two. Egyptian. Oh, jeez. Oh, 24? Didn't we just get that one? No, we haven't had okay. that one because 24 is giant. Oh, jeez. Um, all right. So those are our three influences. Next, we're rolling for our three major events. Josh, if you can give me three numbers between 1 and 137. And 111? 111. Rise of the insert animal here is what that, that one is called. All right. 33. 33. Uh, that would be pollution. Have we had that one? 
Exactly. Yes. Yes. All right. Roll. Roll again. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Wind storms and Josh, yeah. a final, uh, final world event for us. Seventy-eight. Seventy-eight, which is interesting. Loss of sound. Indeed. Um, storm and loss of sound. That makes sense. This will be a silent podcast. Uh, yes, <laughs> just, just 60 minutes of us moving our mouths up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we need, to roll, we need to roll for our inhabitants, which is going to be a number between 1 and 34. Can you go ahead and roll for us? Yes, a second to get rid of those not really random numbers. 19. <laughs> 19. Oh, we've already had that one. It's dinosaurs, but we've already had that one. Um, ro- roll 26. Again. 26 cryptids okay it's been a while since we talked about cryptids yeah all right so this is what an episode our giant lovecraftian egyptian story about cryptids windstorms the loss of sound and the rise of some kind of animal so um Hmm. this is where where do we start on this where we it seems like some things that go together what animal i do want to start with the actually so you let me share screen. I'm pretty into Lovecraft, as uh, I think most of the people in the podcast know about that. But um, he actually did write a story like on top of set on top of one of the pyramids in Egypt, mm-hmm. where Harry Houdini like got in a boxing match and a whole bunch of other wild stuff. And at the end of the story, he was like, Harry Houdini like hired him to write the story about like how cool he was and how in with all the magic scene he was. But he was mad because I guess he like got knocked out in the boxing match. So we're on hallowed ground here. This is a thing that exists. (laughs) (laughs) Remove your sandals. (laughs) Remove Um, your sandals. Yeah. So yes, I, I think I think that what is interesting to me is I think that truly like the Lovecraftian the themes usually and correct me if I'm wrong about this Paxton it's like they come from basically this the powerlessness and the minusculeness of humanity which kind of works sure. into the whole if there's this giant aspect I mean it's like literally a a physical manifestation of the tininess of our characters possibly yeah and um, I think we kind of lucked out in that uh, yeah. as this is like rise of the animals you know that is something to fall into is that like ooh, the birds start acting crazy and then the giant birds got here you know yeah i will will say i don't want to get terribly specific but it is rise of the animal yes is this this what this is not animals we gotta pick one or we should pick one one, i think it's just just rise of one animal (laughs) Uh, lanae has shared her screen that is that what we're going like, I've never heard of this before. That's why. You've never heard of Lovecraft. Here's what we're working with. No, not really. I mean, like, not constantly. We've literally talked about Lovecraft in episodes. We've had Lovecraftian as a word before. And <laughs> you know not, what? Not like, no one, no one ever said it was <laughs> Yes, but this is the general idea of a lot of okay. the imagery that's used. Kind of, I mean, and it, it goes back and forth. It's not just the imagery that's important, but, you know, it's it's this, these tentacled monsters, these old guys. I would, like, tentacles. I would like to gear this story then towards a rise of the blank animal, which these in Egyptian culture are the dogs that um, guard the, uh, what's it called? Hell. <laughs> <laughs> in, in their culture, and they're hairless. 
Um, Linnea, this is a children's friendly podcast. They guard no one's going to hell around. in this show. <laughs> they're, they're guarding hell. My apologies. I well, <laughs> they guard the door to detention. Um, yeah, I, they I, have the. <laughs> they're great. I, I could definitely see this. They they remind me especially. Yeah. I mean, they 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 look like Anubis. Like they kind of remind they me. Are. Of, yeah. They are. Of what kind of a, do we know? Can we find out I what kind of a dog this is? Yeah, it's a crazy name. One second. Crazy. Is it Pharaohem? It begins with like an AX or an X or something. Uh, let's see here. Type of dog. Um, but what I uh, what I also like is with with our words is um, I had an I had an idea that was linking together. I mean, one we have to include the cryptids in there as well, which I think this. is something. <clears throat> Zolo Titsuki Antli. Yeah, that's probably exactly how it's pronounced. Um, mm-hmm. it's, let's call <laughs> these Zolos. These are going to be called Zolos if we're going to keep talking about them. That. Yeah. They, uh, the translation is African jackal. Okay. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that makes Shit. sense because jackals are, yeah, okay, that's, that's a lot of sense. Um, but I do like the idea of this African jackal being kind of one of our main antagonists in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Like it's this God that is basically Anubis this, and it's, and these jackals are going as, as Paxton kind of put, kind of mm-hmm. going crazy and it's ushering in the rise of this great God that takes the form of one of these Zolos. Um, yeah. I like that. That seems like a good jumping off point. Um, All right. With the giantness, how how exactly is that manifesting? Do we think is is our world getting smaller? Are the people getting smaller? Are things getting bigger in comparison to us? Because um, I mean, there, there's so many human huge structures. Like you look at like the Sphinx and the statues that were carved by Egyptians. I kind of like the idea that if it's like those were modeled after things that actually were around in Egyptian society, like that was actual size of yeah. cats and the rulers mm-hmm. and the pharaohs, they were actually that large. And we thought that was just their interpretation when in reality that was realism. I'm gonna cough, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the pyramids were that big for that reason, right? Yeah. Let's go, what's wrong with it? Yeah, I, I think that there's I think that there's a link there. Uh, Linnea, you can stop sharing your screen whenever you want. I am. Um, but I, uh, I, I like that. And with the cryptids, I mean, we're all familiar with what cryptids are, right? Yeah. Bigfoot, I think so. Yeah, yeah. just just <laughs> they're crypt- that's they're exactly they're- what I was gonna say. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. Um, well, now it makes me want to make it into like a, a children's cartoon just called Crypt. It's, <laughs> it's about Bigfoot. Um, well, well what if the, the- getting locked underground? What if our story is told through the lens of a Bigfoot, Bigfoot living through the rise of the African Jackal Society? interesting i mean that is it we, we we have done a lot of bummers recently we could do a fun one do we want to make this a fun one guys oh, okay. all the ideas that i was i already had were not for, were like i like they could be fun i suppose yeah it's hard to just do like a, a like a fun jaunty <laughs> lovecraft love yeah. fun with a twist okay. So we'll just yeah. we'll, we'll do fun and then it'll just at the very end just take a nosedive. Um, do you know where my mind immediately went when we started discussing this? Have you guys seen that episode of? Uh, you guys watch Samurai Jack at all? Do you, anyone? Yeah. yeah. Samurai it's Jack fan. Aku. Uh, well, no. I'm um, actually there's <laughs> yes. an episode where Jack goes to 
he like is in Egypt and he has to fight these three gods that are like the defenders of Anubis. Um, and in the end, he's saved by Ra or something. Um, but they're like these three dog looking things that are um, just superhuman in strength and ability. And he has having to like fight all three. Um, it's a good episode. But um, my mind, my mind kind of went to like Isles of Dogs, you know, Isles of Dogs, whatever it's called by Wes hmm. Anderson, you know, where you have like a kid and a bunch of Zolos or one Zolo. And they are on this adventure or whatever. And dogs are obviously like attuned to hearing, right? Mm-hmm. And if they lose sound, you know, they somehow have to stay together in this sandstorm. Or maybe the dog lost it hearing in the windstorm. Maybe the boy did, whatever it is. I don't know, the dog. And yeah. maybe it's like some sort of like journey, right? From some place to another place because something is happening to his home Egyptian town due to something giant and or cryptids. Um, and so it's sort of like there's a jaunty adventure across the desert, boy and a dog. Yeah, and, and to get to the top of the pyramid to get out of the windstorm. Yeah, I like that because maybe the pyramids <laughs> are the only thing that rises above these huge windstorms. And I mean, windstorms already kind of naturally have that instinct of the loss of sound as you're surrounded by those winds, you can't hear over it. But there's something eerie about what if instead of being so much sound you couldn't hear over it, it took away all the sound. Mm. And um, then that could be a cool image, at, like, you know, once they reach the top of the mm-hmm. pyramid, is they're there. And then it's just how loud everything has been especially rising towards the top of this sandstorm if we are trying to like get them to rise above it that their ears are just so destroyed by the time they get to the top that just hearing like a nice like breezeless sunny day is like absolutely silent to them at that point but it's not it's not less windy because it's really high in the air that wouldn't make any sense oh yeah that's the twist Mm -hmm. they go through this whole thing and then it's not that much better wouldn't it Mm -hmm. be like the opposite wouldn't it be because if they're in these silent these magical windstorms that make everything silent when they stepped out everything would be so loud it would be disorienting like it would be like they'd hear a soft breeze and to them it would sound like a hurricane would sound to us because they've been living in silence for so long yeah i was thinking about like kind of yeah that makes sense because it's magical i was thinking about it like yes okay cool okay i I, I was yes because because we could do it one of two things but um it's either that the loss of sound is more it's in comparison that there's so Mm -hmm. much noise from the windstorms that they can't hear over it that was what i was thinking i was thinking more of a magical windstorm that literally that takes away sound as they're like inside of it um just because that feels spookier to me um yeah. like that that definitely feels like there's a there's something magical has to be happening because i also like the mm-hmm. idea that if they're safe from the wind like if they're inside somewhere that maybe they can hear like that's one of the signs is when they go into a house there's mm-hmm. noise but then as soon as they open the doors and and walk outside and the wind picks it picks it up it yeah it mutes it and that is um, like one thing that is like super that's super lovecraft is like calling cards of like these entities like as they move around is like oh like it, it when he is close like all of the sound is like cutting out so like this storm like his like whatever this things or things presence is is like removing all of the sound that's really cool magic so let me paint yeah. a picture then you guys a picture we have a boy in a village and it's nighttime we have the scene of him looking up into you know very very starry galactical mystic sky right and the breeze is picking up etc cetera, etc cetera. the next day there's a great unease in the village, okay. And then these these winds start picking up, and then his village is then taken over by, you know, let's say cryptids or whatever evil thing. And Zolo from this dimension of hell also came with it. 
And so his town is in trouble and they're all freaking out. And so the boy and the Zolo somehow end up separated, walk in the desert together, he meets the dog out there. And then they go on this journey to then um, <clears throat> get help or solve this pyramid mystery or bring them all back. And it ends all sad because the Zolo has to leave. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah um, I, I have a couple, I have a, a couple moments I want to pitch actually that mm-hmm. I think can maybe help form into this story. One, mm-hmm. Usually when giants were approaching, you would hear the big thunderous footsteps. But if they're traveling in these windstorms, they're silent. You have no well, word when they're coming. Or um, what if what if you can hear sound when they get really close and only when they get really close? Okay. So that comes back like way harder. Well, and then because then it's you know, because you know, you're say like the, the noise is associated with safety, but in that moment, even though they're outside, mm-hmm. yeah. Adds another little twist. Yeah. Psychological torture. Because it's more like the wind is literally taking it away. So sound can still travel when it's very close. It's just getting like distorted and moved past and taken away. That's it's, that would be a really interesting to, to play with from a sound design perspective. I know, right? That'd be very cool. Yeah. This wind that removes sound instead of covering it up. Um, um, it makes Ooh, me think maybe. of this is this is something that probably only only applies to people who have actually like edited audio, but it's like you can do a noise reduction filter and you can actually select the part where it keeps just the noise and not the voice. And that's almost how I imagine this 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 thing working, but that's kind of a specific reference. But the other thing I was thinking <laughs> is is a scene early on before they know what these storms are. Someone's looking out and they see this storm and these winds like approaching, and they're like, huh, that's odd. I see lightning, but I don't hear any thunder. Mm-hmm. And like you're seeing like the lightning flash, and they're like, "How far away is it?" And the guy's counting one, two, three, four, and like he just keeps counting. He's like, "I don't hear it." Like I should like it's the whole thing. You can tell how far a storm is by how long the thunder is away. So I think like that. There's there's these fun like these ominous ways to to approach that. I also like the idea if there is like these huge creatures, someone sees something climbing up a pyramid, and at first they think it's a regular sized animal or whatever. And then when it gets closer, when they, but then they realize it's climbing up the pyramid. It's you know the size of, of you know one of these huge statues. It's not mm-hmm. a, a person that's this big. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I think mean, maybe there you ahead. Uh, and I do like the idea of, of the animal companion. That's fun. Um, I also like the idea because it's like off in the outskirts of town when things are going on, we see the the animal sitting out there watching, and it takes the boy some time to you know find out if it's trustworthy like there's some event that happens that brings them together um while still playing with these other um zolo african hounds whatever they're called um that are are part of the problem essentially or at least they are the symbols of that is true they're the the mm-hmm. of hell mm-hmm. which is where the and maybe maybe he's actually going to like or the dog guides him eventually in the loss because maybe there's like a moment where he looks back on his village as he got lost out in this uh, wind sandstorm thing and like sees uh this ties into Lovecraft and gore or horror or whatever um where he sees like these giant things kind of obliterating his city <laughs> so there's a tragedy there yeah and but... wandering for a while and the dog starts guides his here is you know the pyramids or what have you or something prolific and significant to either warn some person that is uh, wise and can help the people because Zolo has decided to help people. Oh, oh, I also imagine a scene. Oh, here's another picture of a scene, a scene where someone's trying to warn the town and there's like a big bell and they're ringing it and no mm-hmm. sound is coming out. 
um, mm -hmm. as they're watching these this this wave of these animals these uh, Zolo yeah. dogs ripping through the town um, they're ringing. Well, I mean the Zolos aren't color. necessarily evil they're just kind of also slipping through with the cryptids okay so they're kind of neutral because like in in their culture they are technically like neutral they guard the gates of hell and so a bunch okay. of them just kind of slipped out with the actual monstrosity that is doing the damage so the okay. Zolos are just kind of the byproduct Okay, here's a pitch. If they are the guards of the gates of hell, maybe the gates of hell have become blurred with reality. And why this dog yeah. is trying to team up with our protagonist is because exactly. they want to reestablish the gates of hell. They want to make, right. they want the barrier That's, to be, yes, they want it, mm. they don't want it bleeding over anymore. The Zolo, also, this is, I keep thinking of Zool from Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am the key mask. But the, uh, but they, they're wanting to like, restore that balance essentially and prevent these and and the the animal the the creatures from from this hell are increasing in size and the i think the way to work cryptids in is cryptids are usually in reality if you look at most of what cryptids are they're just a mashup of two different animals mm -hmm. um oh. I mean, like that's basically all they are like you know like if you look at even bigfoot it's just like it's a man and a and a, and a creature like it's it, <laughs> And also, they're abominations. I think that, they're abominations. Then. Yeah, and and there, I I I don't know how accurate my understanding of Egyptian mythology is, but I mean, like I I I've seen a lot of stuff from when I was a kid, and I got into it a little bit, like and read books in the library and stuff when I was younger, and and a lot of them also are kind of anthropomorphic. I mean, they're animals that are either kind of mixed with mm -hmm. other animals. They're usually larger in scale, um, and sometimes like there's like a, a a human mixed in or or, or whatever, but you know. The, the, I think that that works with the cryptid. It's like these cryptids are basically these animals of Egyptian mythology um, that are, their legends are coming to life. And this is kind of the, yeah. the how we're spinning this is that most of the interpret, most of the stuff we see in Egyptian mythology is in, in fact in, uh, historical as far as the size and the scope and these mm -hmm. magical creatures actually were existed in this world at one point. Um, yeah. And they had to be captured and <clears throat> back by the pyramids or something you know maybe that's maybe that's the because it seems like the 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 focal point is somehow the 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 climax of this movie takes place with the pyramids um that was what i was thinking especially mm -hmm. when you had said earlier about you know uh with your samurai jack thought where there were like three monsters right mm -hmm. that's what i was thinking was that like each of the three pyramids were some sort of like a, a grave or like some sort of a way to like a cairn almost where it's like a, a, a grave and the thing that is set on top of it is there to keep what is ever underneath mm. from getting back up yeah right and then so something has happened to compromise the cairn like the the rocks on top of the grave and now something is unsettled and now like these monsters from like that were that were real that like have fallen into like history as like something else like are now back and what we thought they were is like ah, fake but even like as like the guardians of hell they're like who actually we're just scary scary monster <laughs> yeah yeah i like that and uh i think i i think now the last the last key to this puzzle is what is is just is is what you were saying kind of securing down what has released them like why mm -hmm. they are released and how they will be contained again. I think that's the- that and can really, they, I feel like a part of it is, can they be contained again? Yeah. 
I think I think that goes to if we want it to be, if, if we want it to be happy ending or if we want <laughs> it to be like the the spooky Lovecraftian ending. I mean, the Lovecraftian ending is is it's all for nothing in the end. Yeah, and um, the world ends. Everyone's yeah. crazy. And, you know, and the cosmic monster blinks, and the world is destroyed, and all that. Um, but you know, well, and and so that's what we need to figure out now. Is is I think that you know, what, what if we don't know how it starts? I like that. So, like, what if what if the narrative sort of begins like with uh, with like the the boy and the dog already yeah. on the journey, sort of in this soundless world, and then like we learn all the exposition through sort of flashbacks, yeah, via yeah. different moments and experiences. So, like. The flashbacks are exactly what we're talking about, where they like they see the storm coming, but they can't hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't. I don't know if we need to know what starts it, but we probably need to know what reverses it, or if we want to even, or if it's just sort of a mm-hmm. learning, living, and coping. That does also bring about the fact, like the the interesting component of is it is this a fool's journey? Like, are they actually finding a solution, or is this just something that people have come up with? Um, in hopes that it is the solution to the problem. Um, I, I, one thing that I think is interesting is it, with the Egyptian, all the all the Egyptian stuff is a lot of the story could be told through like animated hieroglyphics, you know, like they're, mm-hmm. as they're like, it's like, you know, as they oh. walk. Um, well, it's like it, the exposition at least could be told that way is yeah. is as they're as the boy is looking over this like wall is these newly painted hieroglyphics because there's no more vocal communication Mm-hmm. Um, this is how they're having to, like how they're having to capture these events. Um, I, 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 are we pitching that this is actually like a modern world? That was what I was thinking. Yeah, like postmodern apocalyptic. Yeah, that's what I. Th- I think that's more interesting. Is is mm-hmm. we're kind of delving into this. Um, yeah, it's, because it's, the boy's not going to really. I think it's important that the, the boy. You know, it doesn't really understand what the dog is doing or where he's taking them, but he doesn't know. He's just following the dog because he has nowhere else to go. He's lost in the desert. You know, maybe he yells at the dog. Maybe that opening scene is like dog and boy in desert. He's like yelling at the dog in that muffled tone of audio that you're talking about, yelling at the dog to go away, but you can't really see what's going on. And it begins with discourse between he and the dog. And then that's where the story kind of evolves and then works into flashbacks. Okay. Yeah. I just had a super spooky, super dark idea. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so there is this one particular, and also we don't have like, I'm, this is just something that's Lovecraft. There's this one particular god called Nilothotep who is like especially scary because he's like the only one of these like gods or monsters that actively chooses to like fuck with people. Yeah, and like he's like the only one that like actually is like I care and like I don't like you and yeah. everything else that everyone else kind of does is just like eh, like people are there whatever yeah. so there's this world and this dog is like the dog is like trying to lead this boy away from like whatever destruction and wreckage and Nihilopithep appears to the dog mm-hmm. and yeah. is like oh like follow me I will lead you to lead him away Ooh. and so the, the boy only is like hearing like the dog and he's like this dog knows something he's trying to save me but the dog is like receiving this like horribly divine information which yeah. he's like yeah he's leading him away and he's just like leading him it's like kind of like a reverse moses situation where he's like leading them out of egypt yeah and they like get up to this like place on a hill like somewhere like forever away 
and the dog is kind of like barking at Nyarlathotep and he's like what's going on like what happened like what what do I do you told us that if we came here we could save everything and then like Nyarlathotep again like only speaking to the dog so the dude is just like there like yelling at the dog like I'm confused too he's like there was nothing you could have ever done like I led you up here like I gave you hope like this whole like journey this whole thing was just me like like this all of this was going to happen honestly yeah. the world ending has nothing to do with me even i didn't even set this in motion yeah. but i knew that you couldn't stop it and this was just a little, a little joke for me time doesn't mean anything to me mm -hmm. yeah i i like i like i like a lot of that the uh i i, I like especially the the communication with the dog character and also <laughs> robert if you feel like if you have any any ideas <laughs> yes, feel free to jump in i know it's hard because we just kind of talk over each other constantly but feel free to get us. Okay. If you want idea. me to unload, I'm sorry. I've been kind of uh, researching like everything you all are saying. I'm kind of connecting some lines here. Yeah. So for it. love it. I have like the complete collection of HP Lovecraft's stories. So you're totally right on the uh, Nyar Salothotep, uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, he's like kind of the schemer who wears like a human face. And also one of the stories, there's one called The Hound, which could be a great parallel in with the African jackals. And then I'm thinking, so Lovecraftian is all about doubting the sanity of not only the character whose perspective you're seeing, but also those who are watching the performance and observing it. So I'm thinking that there is really no mm. set time period or set beginning or end to the story. Like we don't actually know. Yeah. like we could see the character traveling through the land and it goes through different time periods but like no one even talks oh, about it. oh i love like that like perfectly oh. normal okay because yeah we're sick, yeah yes. the whole idea i think is that no one is actually sane in both contexts like the reader mm -hmm. or the person there but okay. it we all just act like it's normal okay 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 and the, I was talking <laughs> like about the, situation. the hieroglyphics that are like telling the story maybe that's a, a central theme throughout like the this blending of of reality and these like writings on the wall that come to life mm -hmm. and are like interacting in the world of the character as well at times um yeah. to where it's 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 you know there's no convention that stays uniform you know it's not like it it's mm -hmm. it, it is is constantly breaking and shifting um, you know, we're going a little bit more for, you know, we, we, you're right. We don't, the, the time period is all like the characters they meet are disjointed in both location and time period. You know, like at one point he just meets a knight in armor, you know, like yes. in a castle and, or, or even it gets even more weird than he meets like a knight in armor on a beach, you know, and they're on like mm -hmm. a rowboat that's like sailing across the Nile and they land on this like desert oasis and there's just a knight in armor and like, and it's and it's constantly throughout all of this there's no vocal communication whenever they're right. outdoors so it's like these it's them having to figure out what's going on with these new strange locations as they arrive at them it's like okay is this friend or foe what do we have to do yeah. here? what do we have to do yeah. to get past this next step in our journey and it just basically becomes these little vignettes that are all connected by this drive forward this 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 god that is leading the dog which is leading the boy which is leading the audience you know it's this it's this trail of of who is who is doing what like who is actually in control of all of this mm -hmm. true and you could actually through the story connect more of egyptian lore and lovecraftian because there are some like very coincidental parallels so like in lovecraftian theory as a thoughts 
is like the a giant world eating worm pretty much that sits in the center of the universe who like accidentally created the universe right and then in egyptian theory you have like ra who's the sun god who fights off um uh, i think it's a uh, a pep or a apophis so mm-hmm. apophis is a giant snake that's trying to eat the world right and so they're very similar so you could start mm-hmm. to connect like more uh, like Egyptians as actually like Egyptian lore being uh, misinterpreted Lovecraftian entities. Yeah. Okay, so that's okay. That's really cool because that is like in North Norse mythology. Also, there's like the world serpent that is like wrapped around the world tree that eventually is going to eat and destroy the whole world. And mm-hmm. so we can get into this whole thing of like how all of these legends and like which is also super Lovecraft, but like all of these legends and all of these things that are our old explanations for the world are like actually true, but are all also the exact same thing. So what we are describing here is Azathoth, as it is this worm, as it is like the world snake from like all different types of mythology. That's really cool. So it could just be like a different, like how different cultures rationalize their sanity or insanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they, use these stories to kind of like make it oh so it's not crazy it's just it's just part of history you know yeah it is the way it is mm-hmm. and then i think came to be and the cryptid theme kind of just slides right in there um uh, i yeah. mean the, i mean basically uh lovecraftian entities are basically cryptids um uh, just like prime examples like prime versions of them uh they're like 20 different animals or like essence yeah. of the universe combined together yeah, yeah. Um, so for, for the actual, okay. Yes. I, I love all the pieces now to, 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 to get it, uh, just to get it in line now, <laughs> do we start? Cause we, we was pitched that we start out and it's just, the world is already shit. The wind storms have taken over and it's a boy and he's, <laughs> he's walking through a desert essentially, I think. Right. I mean, that feels like a good place to start mm-hmm. walking mm-hmm. through the desert and he and it's silent as he's walking um, or it's you know almost silent it's like that weird kind of you hear muffles of something um and he sees a dog and the dog's looking at him and the boy just keeps walking and the dog like like how does that, and how then does that reality messes up for a second yeah like, okay. there's like there's like a glitch as they start to like approach each other yeah we see maybe, the dog oh sorry maybe there is like he sees the dog but is like looking at him and like in the background of like in the the shifting shand sand behind him (laughs) he does see like a big like tall figure and this is like his only glimpse of like the thing that is leading the dog if we do if we're going with the like the dog is being led by some sort of entity i think we we should because then also at this initial meeting we could sort of start like like going flashing back and forth between the boy and the dog's perspective so we mm-hmm. see the boy see the dog and then we see the dog find the boy and then the dog see uh the uh the what was the entity we mentioned yeah. earlier oh. i can't say the name Narlathotep. bless you but gnarly um, good old gnarly good old gnarly gnarly and okay. like i can i can we can yeah we can help or something that, like that the that movie starts g- that hey guys i know it's a bit early to be pitching a title but how about gnarly and me <laughs> We did say we wanted to keep it fun. That's why um, you get paid the big bucks. All right. Okay. But okay. So yes, he's the boy sees the dog. Dog sees the boy. Boy sees the dog. Dog sees the boy. 
the vision slants just slightly and behind the boy you see gnarly is standing there yeah um, and i think it's like it's got to be like so like so faint like you can yeah. hardly hardly another, see and in relation to that another sick wide shot you know for like that in between events is like mm-hmm. that faint big guy gnarly followed by the dog followed by the boy in like a one two three it's like a, mm-hmm. that would be a nice fucking shot nice mm-hmm. wide Oh, that's that's super scary too. I want this to have like a Wes uh, Anderson, Stephen King feel. Yeah. Also, it's like the shot, like the three shot of them, like being led by each other, is just like uh, the part of Hakuna Matata. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Simba and Pumbaa are like marching across. I want it from two angles. Like looking at them from behind and then from the profile, that'd be a sick shot. Very slight, very slight change, but the, similar, the camera structure is all the same. But instead of walking through an empty desert, he's walking through these ruins, like obvious Egyptian ruins that are huge, towering over everything. And when we, he sees behind him is the is the god, but when the boy turns around to see what the dog is looking at, it's just a statue of the god. But when the dog saw him, the dog was the the god gnarly was not a statue. Um, but when the boy looks behind, it's just a statue at that point. But essentially, there's something that happens. The boy and the dog start traveling together, and the dog keeps seeing this god appear, this huge towering behemoth appearing in the, in the distance. And the boy can't see it, but the boy is trusting the dog and following the dog um, as we go. It would also be kind of scary if, like, one of the only things that we hear is his voice mm-hmm. from the perspective of the dog. Oh, yeah, so it's like everything he says is, you know, like that. In, in tones and not, so because dogs, mm-hmm. you know, listen through tones, so it's like intonations. And, you know, that kind of shit. That is this subtitled? Well, I mean, you can imply a lot. You can imply a lot through, like, the the monster's, like, actions. Oh, yeah. And tone, you know, you don't need to. Yeah. For um, sure. So I, I think then what happens pretty early on is they end up in one location, they're camping for the night, um, and they see the hieroglyphs on the wall that show the story of the world and how the great windstorms came heralded by the, the, um, the herald by these dogs were the first to appear that then ushered in this thing where these ancient a- animals came back from the world um, as this kind of, as this pictograph comes to life as the boys watching it. Um, and then they continue on their journey. Maybe they're even almost chased out of the space by these cartoons that come to life. Mm. Um, that's and, crazy. Yeah, I um, like that. Um, is that's the, they're forced to flee, and that also gets our exposition as they're watching. But then it's chasing them as it's like. Um, it also sets up this. This it sets up because part of it could be there is a dog leading a boy at the end of this prophecy, and they. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the whole gimmick to where they believe that they are the dog and the boy that are going to save it. Um, and then they begin their- But their... then like all of the hieroglyphs, like it's all just stuff that was like put there to mess with them. Yeah. Like all like the prophecy mm. is fake. Yeah. It's just like Nihilothotep like led them to a prophecy that was like, oh, we're doing it. Like we're saving the world. It's just, okay, I'm sorry. I think I cut you off there. But no, no, really no, cool. no, 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 that's basically the idea is it's all, it's all that. It reminds me of, okay, this is a super quick tangent because we have to bring in our guests pretty soon and, and actually tell them what we've got. Um, but if you guys know the Dark Tower series? I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. going to spoil the Dark Tower series for anyone. So don't okay. listen for the next like 15 seconds if you don't want to know. But you should have read it by now if you wanted to. It's so old. Like, 
Um, I haven't read it either. It was spoiled for me, and it's it's a cool ending. And I hear the books are actually kind of rough to get through. So maybe I'll. There's also like a million of them. Yes. Um, basically, the ending is this guy goes on this huge, huge, huge long journey, and when he gets, he's climbing up the tower to fight the final big bad monster they've been hyping up the entire time. And when he opens the door and he steps through, the book ends with the first page of the first book, and he's basically trapped in a never-ending loop where he's constantly having to repeat the same cycle over and over again, and that's his torture. Um, so what if? We steal a little bit from that. And at the end of this journey, the boy and the dog, when they find out the boy pushes the dog away, like he scares him off Harry and the Henderson style. And as he's walking through the desert, he sees in the, he starts walking through these monoliths, these big, huge structures that are towering over him. And then what does he see? He sees the dog. The dog sees him. He sees the dog. The dog sees him with gnarly, gnarly behind him. And then they just start walking together again. And it just keeps going, keeps going. Yeah. You know what I love? What I love? But I just had a quick side note. Night. Like the night and, and the boat. So instead of a boat, it's a fucking random mythical or hey, the, magical. Talk, talk directly into your phone if you're going to talk. It's I like a, a magical realism is a whole look feel, but it's a magical fucking random ass ocean in the middle of the desert. And you have a kind of shot where it's the dog and the boy and the knight and a boat and then off like wading through this ocean way off in the distance is the, I'm just into the visuals right now, the cryptid thing that's leading them or the uh, yeah. gnarly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I like kind of a, the whole concept. And I kind of want to put that down before we talk about or talk to someone else. The, the time thing, like going through, um, like there's no uh, sense of, time or place or place mm-hmm. is that correct yes here's here's kind of what i pitch because we technically mm-hmm. we're technically almost used up our time we have like five okay. more minutes before we need to bring them in to to, to yep. fit the rules of the podcast i i, I do love I, it's always tough because i always mm-hmm. want to talk more but how about this we all are going to come up with our own little vignette and when we bring them in we just pitch it to them like this is one of the things they run into and i can go first so that everyone else has more time and um and each one of us gets to say, okay, and then they meet this guy, and this is the shenanigans that happen. Um, um, I have a really good idea for as far as like the exposition, mm-hmm. how, how that could turn into a vignette. I wouldn't mind taking that one, and that's all right. Great. Then we can go ahead and do that. When we get to the point where they get to the exposition, and the, when they get to there, you can take over. Um, and so that will give me just a little bit of time to think of mine also. Yeah, well, I'd say, I'll let you fill in like the detail, but like I'll set, I'll set how I want the world of the exposition to be. Great. And then like, I, will, I will talk about the first vignette. Does someone want to take the night on the island or is that going to be, or should I take that one? Because I actually. I, I kind of have an, I have an idea for that one. Okay. Then great. You take that one. I'll come just up with kind one. of like one single image. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be anything anything big, but we, I, I think that makes sense because we this this gives us what um, four or five points that they reach in this journey, um, and then we'll summarize the uh, the kind of ending. Are, are we cool with going with my dark tower ending ripoff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Then I'm gonna go ahead and we're gonna admit our guest, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get get going. This is gonna be a little bit more flying by the seat of our pants than normal, but it should be exciting. So um, well, I'm waiting for him to uh, connect his audio. Josh is excited already. Um, so uh, in the tradition of bringing my family members onto the <laughs> podcast to uh, to tell us about what's going on, I am bringing on my little brother, uh, TJ Wilkinson. Little bro. <laughs> little bro. 
Um, his audio seems seeming to take a minute to connect, though. Um, but um, so I guess I guess the order we're gonna go is Josh is gonna do do that. I will do the next one. Paxton, are you good with going after me? Mm -hmm. um, and then Robert or Linnea, which one of you wants to go after that? You can go ahead because I'm not sure if I have anything specific at this point. All right, okay. Robert, and then we'll finish off with Linnea and then get to the ending, and that'll be it. All right, uh, TJ, if you can hear us, you can go ahead and unmute. How's it going? What's How's up, it man? going, TJ? <laughs> All right, everyone, this is my little brother. And uh, TJ, we got, we got a little, um, well, we kind of have a story for you. We have a, we have a loose framework that we're going to be pitching to you um, to try to get your opinion on. Are you, uh, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, great. Um, so it starts out, and there's a boy. And he's walking through the desert. Um, and as he's walking, you see kind of um, all around him are these great towering structures, crumbling pillars and statues. Um, and obviously from, you, you would be able to summarize from just basic knowledge of this like Egyptian kind of, you know, statues and pillars and, and hieroglyphs and stuff like that. Um, and the boy's walking through these great ruins that are just towering over his head when he sees at the edge of the of the monuments a dog um a dog specifically i, I forget what the breed was called it, it was an african hound right african jackal african jackal so i mean you you would recognize if you saw it the kind of jackal is it looks like a jackal essentially but it's a dog um he sees the dog and dog sees him sees the dog and the dog sees him but then right behind the boy, the dog sees something. One of, the, one of the statues behind him comes to life very briefly and you see it move ever so slightly. It's great, um, this great, um, we've been calling it Gnarly, which is it's based off this guard called Narlotep. Um, and it's, it, it, is, it is standing behind. I and mean, when the boy turns around, it's just the statue. But the boy looks back at the dog and the dog kind of wags its tail and, and, and moves and the boy approaches it and together they walk through the rest of these monuments. Now, when they come to the end of it, they enter this great room and inside the room, our first major event happens. Josh, if you wanna go ahead and, and take over here. So in that first room, like they see all these different, they see these hieroglyphs that essentially tell the story of like how, how the world ended up to become this way of like, um, basically the sort of apocalyptic windstorm where that if you're in this windstorm you can't hear anything there's there like an absence of sound um and so as they're going over and looking through these hieroglyphics seeing the story and i'll let tony fill in some of the specifics mm -hmm. um they, they you get this first sort of sense of slip in reality as they sort of very prince of egypt-esque become the hieroglyphics that are thrown into the story and so as they're reading and going through it they're suddenly a part of it going through the past and sort of reliving how they got where they are yeah, uh, uh, essentially, the, the the hieroglyphs then tell this story about this, um, yes, these windstorms that came, and, but before they did, there were these kind of dogs that would show up, dogs that match the breed of the dog he's with now, these um, these African hounds, um, and they, they um, with them, these great windstorms came that stole the sound from the people, and then after the sound was stolen, these horrible monsters that were these mixtures of different creatures that were very reminiscent of actual like Egyptian mythological creatures. You know, it's like an alligator mixed with um, alligator mixed with this and, 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 and all this other stuff um, and making basically these kind of 
you know, mismatched animals that are, are destroying the world and eating and eating it and, and attacking people and, and it basically throwing society into chaos. Um, and as the boy and the dog are watching, they see at the edge of the hieroglyph, there's a dog and a boy that are leading this entire story and they are what is going to be what saves everything. It shows them walking towards this great light and they just know if they, and they believe that they are the dog and the boy and they basically are in this chaos, in this, in this, these hieroglyphs that are coming to life, they escape being chased by these creatures that are coming to life off of the wall and run out into the desert. Um, as they're escaping out into the desert, um, they, we then begin kind of these, this series of little vignettes that are, they basically run into these little strange um, scenarios that are, are popping up. And actually, Paxton, I need to buy a little bit more time. Can you do yours next? Yes. Actually. So one of these vignettes <laughs> that we're talking about is this this dog, and I assume that we're going to go back and like I don't know. So it, so like whether we're going um, this dog and uh, this boy uh, are being led through the desert. They're wandering. You know, they believe that they're on this quest to save the world, and you know they can't hear anything. There's no sound uh, in this inside of this sandstorm. And as they start to uh, move through the space, they look over and in the distance, just kind of before the sandstorm is completely shrouding off their uh, vision, they see like a, a knight, like a fully suited knight in armor. And they're looking at him and he's like got his sword drawn and he's covered in blood and he's like been fighting and they're just like really confused as to why he's here because they're in Egypt and it is the present day as far as they know. And they're looking over and as like he makes eye contact with them, there's a gunshot from somewhere over off farther from the, uh, the sand and this knight just gets domed in the head and he falls and it's gory and it's confusing because wow why was there this knight why is he here and then the sandstorm lifts just a tiny bit so that they can see just this one little area and it's this battleground of people from all throughout history and there's no real reason there's like freedom fighters with like AK-47s running around and like samurai and uh, like African warriors and uh, like Aztec, you know, tribes and all of these other people. And it's just this battle that doesn't make any sense. And everyone is terrified and no one is equally matched, but there's also no sound. And all they can do is just say, I don't understand what I just saw or why these people are here or why they're fighting. How are they all together? And then they just have to keep moving through the desert. And I don't know who's going next. I, I, got, I got mine. I got mine. Um, they uh, <laughs> next up, they're kind of walking through and uh, the runes they've been going through are no longer um, Egyptian at this point, but they start to look a lot more kind of medieval. Um, you know, it's got a lot more cobblestone and they, they've come upon this great castle. Um, with the drawbridge down and as they enter um, they enter and they see this woman lying at this bed and there's this boy laying on top of this stone slab and there's this woman and she's crying um, and as they 
as they look, the boy who is sitting on the slab is cut up into many, many pieces. Like, not, not like super gory, like ugly. Like, it's like, it's kind of almost cartoonishly, you know, like how you see someone get cut up in a cartoon where they're almost in like cubes. Um, and you see her and she is crying um, and she is, she sees them and, um, and they try to comfort her and she is, she is pointing at the boy and you notice that he's missing pieces. He's missing, he's missing a piece of his head. He's missing a piece of his shoulder. He's missing a piece of his leg. And he's missing a, a piece of his chest. Um, and they basically are able to figure out, oh, we need to help her find the missing pieces. Um, and they go around and they look and it basically becomes this little scavenger hunt throughout this castle and it's all in silence or whatever. But, you know, they find the head is, is, is locked up in this cabinet and they find this and they find this piece hidden in, in, in this thing until they finally they get all the pieces and they bring it and they put them back. And, the, and once all the pieces are back, the body reforms itself together. And then um, the the woman and the man embrace and they kiss. And as they are celebrating their happiness, the boy and the dog exit through the back of the castle and leave, having reunited these two lovers um, after after their separation of however that happened. Um, Robert, Linnea, you want to go next for the next vignette? Yeah, sure. So um, after the boy and the dog leave the castle, things get more and more quiet. In fact, the wind actually stops moving altogether, and it feels as if the sand that they're walking through seems to stop flowing. And then this is when you start to kind of uh, focus more on the dog itself. So as you keep looking at the dog, uh, you see flashes of a large entity instead of the dog. And it's, it's huge. It's massive. You're thinking like monolithic scale in place of the dog. And then sometimes it it shrinks. And then over time, as it flashes every once in a while, maybe every 15 minutes, 20 minutes, it eventually comes back down to the dog. The boy at this time starts to question, what is, what is even happening? What is this dog? And uh, upon further inspecting the animal itself, uh, he just simply forgets it. He's like, never mind. I completely think that this is a normal dog. What am I even thinking? Right. So he continues on. And after this point, you're no longer passing like Egyptian buildings. You're not passing, passing like uh, a castle. You're passing like nuclear reactors, right? We're talking like fission going on right nearby. And there's sparks flying, but there's still no sound. And these bolts of lightning from this fission reactor are frozen in midair. And you're continuing to wander. And that's when it's no longer day. It's just transitioned to night instantly. And at this point... Your, your, the, the world is lit up by these frozen lightning bolts in the sky that are just stationary with no sound, no wind, nothing. And then they turn around just to see where they've been because this is, uh, the night has just come upon us and there's now lightning in the sky. And they are actually uh, just a few feet away from the castle itself. Um, and so at this point, mm the boy has completely lost Barry and uh, he's decided to try to return to the castle to see this couple in action, to, to ask them for directions, to, to wonder about anything. And he's going to leave the dog behind. He, obviously, wherever he was following him hasn't gotten him anywhere at all. And this has even gotten stranger. Uh, he tries to walk into the castle and there's no one there, just completely barren yes. castle. And the stone is started to weather away. Um, and at this point, the, he begins to inspect the castle itself and realize that none of the supports of the castle are there. They've all crumbled and fallen away. The, the, 
the part of the castle that he's been walking on is merely just floating rubble in a sea of uncertainty, looking down at it uh, underneath the layer that we, he once stood and where the couple used to be. He, see, he finds holes in the castle itself that lead to nothing. There's nothing there, just empty abyss. And then you can almost see little tendrils of lightning in the distance underneath the castle. And I'm then, gonna let anyone. I want to yeah, let anyone else yeah. pick up from there. Um, and and from there, I think the 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 boy, um, in fear, almost retreats from the castle and can, and returns to the dog. Um, and they head out. I think at this like, and he he leaves that that uncertainty behind him as the path is basically, as you said, is disappeared behind him. There is no going back. There is only pressing forward at this point. Uh, Linnea, did you have a, a vignette you wanted to add? Almost. I think I'd like to clarify a point that I really like about this story. Mm -hmm. um, the concept here is like the space between dimensions are growing thin, mm -hmm. right? And time is sort of like slithering between the two with no real like continuity between what is real and what is not. And then time in itself, a construct. Yeah. Between worlds and worlds and worlds. So yes, that's my, that's my bit. Okay. Um, essentially, I think at this point there, there's this uncertainty, and 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 the boy and the dog are moving, um, and the boy's almost like chasing the dog at this point, and he's yelling through this wind that is taking away sound, and it's nothing but these muffled. You can't tell what he's doing, but he's angry, and the dog is running, and it's getting faster and faster. I'm just gonna pitch an ending right now, guys. Um, faster and faster as it's going and going, um, and the boy finally catches up to the dog, um, and he sees he sees in the uh, the, the dog getting further and further away. And it's it's been his one connection point this entire time. They've traveled this entire adventure together. And there would probably be more little vignettes that we would sprinkle in before we get to this point. But we only had an hour, so you sue us. But um, they and the dog loses. He loses his vision from it. And the boy, uh, the, the dog leaves his sight as the dog runs out past in front of him. And the boy is crying. He's alone and he's crying. But what's this? You start to be able to hear him cry. The wind has died down. And then as the wind has died down, you hear this booming voice speak behind him. And the boy turns and it's the god from the beginning, Gnarly, is, is standing there. And he is, the boy's like, what is, what is this? What is going on? Why? This was supposed to be, this was supposed to save us. And the, the, the giant creature just laughs laughs and sits down into the pose of the statue from the beginning. And then as he does, the boy turns and he's surrounded once again by these great columns and standing in front of him is a dog looking at him. And the boy looks at the dog and the dog looks at the boy. And the boy looks at the <laughs> yeah. dog and the dog looks at the boy. And then it fades to black. Love and it. Um, and this, uh, we we uh, we don't have a name for it yet either. Um, we have a well. We the one the the one I pitched was um, gnarly in me, which I don't think is going to make. <laughs> <it that. laughs> um, but um, that is that is the story, more or less. It's more about like the world and like the idea. Um, but first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what our words were. And you tell us if we captured, if we included them in our story, or if one of them needs to be included more for it to be a success. Um, our three themes were Lovecraftian, Egyptian, and giant. So those were the three themes. Um, 
our three major events were the rise of the animals, uh, windstorms, and loss of sound. And then our uh, inhabitants, which was like a creature that had to be included in the story in some capacity, were cryptids. Um, so do you feel that any of those words, oh, Josh, you had something? Just to clarify, it was rise of the animal and we picked yes. the African jackal as the animal. Yes. Um, are there any of those words that you believe were not um, incorporated in this story in some capacity or could have been incorporated more? Um, can you repeat the, the last three that you said? Yes, um, there was the rise of the animal, which is the African jackal, windstorms and loss of sound. Yeah, no, I think that was all very apparent, um, but not like blaringly obvious, I guess. I, I don't mm -hmm. know, it was, uh, I, I was, I don't know what I expected the words to be, but yeah, after, after <laughs> hearing you say them, I, I, I recognize their <laughs> position in the story, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and yes. So, um, and and uh, I'm glad. I'm glad it sounds like we got them all. Um, how the the final thing I guess before we we try to well let's let's all really quick. Does anyone have any more suggestions for a name? Hmm. Not even a little bit. I have an idea like, of the structure, and I think that would take care of the name. Quiet desert. <laughs> sure. Desert <'Cause> quiet. I, <laughs> I think it's like loosely related, like. Part of it's a movie, part of it's a book, part of it's a really pretty graphic novel. Like, and they're all under like slightly different names, but they're connected. Mm -hmm. Just to sort of add with the head. Oh, so it's a multimedia experience. You pick mm -hmm. up one and it continues. That's interesting, especially because we were talking about how it kind of like complete changes constantly, how it feels. Um, I think I think that maybe maybe uh i just can't think of a good name for this one tj do you have any suggestions for names uh you know what i don't think you're gonna be gnarly in me if i'm being honest <laughs> it's the one it's the yeah, i think i think i got i think i have one oh, yeah um, we could call it like the curse of innocence okay oh. it's it'll be it's two names gnarly and me is the american release <laughs> But Curse of Innocence is the Japanese translation. Yeah, the Japanese <laughs> translation, yeah. Um, no, okay. I, uh, I, I, Curse of Innocence at least sounds more more realistic for what the story is. Because Gnarly and Me does have like a, a kind of a fun feeling to it. And <laughs> it does not end up being fun. We were joking like halfway through. We're like, oh, let's yeah, do a fun yeah. one this time. Let's do one that's like not super depressing. Um, there's, well, there's also um, obviously the motifs of of time and and the desert there's obviously um some imagery at least in my mind that brings up like an hourglass kind of feel mm -hmm. um so oh, that's good yeah that could be involved in the title but yeah i don't know um what's i'll maybe there's something in the wordplay between like deafening silence or the loudest silence or something mm. like that um since it is playing with the quietness of it all. Sands of silence. Deafening roar. Deafening roar. I don't hate deafening roar. Mm. Um, but, it, okay, okay. Let's, so gnarly and me for the clicks, for sure. Yes, gnarly and me is the, the, the episode is gnarly and me. And, or, you know, 
whatever serious title we come up with. Gnarly and me, (laughs) colon, insert serious title later. (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, I like the Curse of Innocence. Yeah, yeah. The the final question, TJ, is on a scale from one to ten, how interested would you be in 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 seeing this story? How much did it capture your imagination? Can you, sorry, I'm, I'm, can you define what you mean by like seeing the story? Yes. So, um, I mean, in reality, basically what we pitched to you is, is pretty much like a movie. Honestly, is probably okay. what it would be. I mean, it's maybe a multimedia experience like Josh would say would be cool, but, but essentially like you, you hear this, uh, how I usually phrase is how much potential do you think this story has if it was to be a completed thing and fleshed out more? Do you think that this has some solid bones or do you think that this is a shaky idea that wouldn't wouldn't stand up to a full script? Yeah, so I was, uh, you, you told me that I was coming in listening to a story and identifying whether it was garbage, I think was the word. <laughs> yes. Uh, which I definitely don't think it was garbage. Um, I came in uh, and was trying to, you know, I guess give my bearings from the start and as it as the story developed you start to you know notice the symbolism of time and things like that um uh and and i found myself getting more interested as the story went on which is which is uh something that you want for sure um the ending was very dean Koontz. i liked it it was uh pretty cool I literally i was literally ripped off not dean Koontz, but a, a stephen king ending for that one there so. you go yeah yeah um but definitely, yeah. You said on a scale of one to ten, I'd say uh, like an eight or nine, in my opinion. Hey, oh, we're getting better whoa. every week. Hey, Big we, money. You know, eight or nine. I'm gonna average that to an eight and a half. All right. <laughs> well, sweet. Um, unless you have any final comments or questions, TJ, is there anything else you want to add? Uh, no, not at the moment. All right. Um, well, with that. Um, we can uh, we can go ahead and let you get out of here while we do our, our final house cleaning. I know uh, oh, just wait, to plug. Wait, did he oh. sign the NDA? Oh yeah, wait, I'll, wait. I'll send you some paperwork, TJ. Um, yeah, right. we we gotta make sure you don't sell this script to Hollywood before we can get it out. Um, TJ gotcha. though, he does have an album that just came out on Spotify. Uh, oh, wait a second. Um, uh, do you want to do you want to talk about that at all before you hop off, TJ? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just got uh, better. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I just, uh, over quarantine, my friend and I, uh, I found a guitar and got it strung up and learned how to play it. And then we decided to make some, to write some songs together. He's a really good vocalist. Um, and uh, we got some, for my birthday, I got some recording stuff. It's it's by no means, you know, professional quality, but uh, it was something that we were passionate about. So if you enjoy things that other people are passionate about go give it a listen it's uh it's called someday is the album some yeah someday uh, and our title is hates antonym so that's someday by hates antonym you can get that on spotify is it on itunes as well it's everywhere yeah sweet um and i will tell you um if they're listening to this podcast they definitely don't like listening to professional things so (laughs) it'll be the audience will be right in tune with what you're looking for uh thanks tj we'll go ahead and let you go thanks so much for helping us out this week thanks so much all right thanks guys have a good one yeah and uh with that that'll be the end of our episode today we've spun you another yarn that's stretched through time and space and we've ended up here 
um, all the better for it. So thank you so much. I have been one of your hosts, Tony Wilkinson. Go ahead and don't forget to um, subscribe to the Twitch channel, the Spotify feeds, all that stuff. You can catch this show every other week at 7 p.m. In the intervening weeks, you can see the Cooperation Podcast, um, which is a podcast hosted by um, myself, uh, Linnea, Josh, as well as some other people on the network where we, uh, the elevator pitch is it is a D&D game where instead of going on an adventure, they run a city council. And this, <laughs> this, uh, this session, they are basically running an underground bunker and trying to keep zombies from destroying everyone they love. Um, and uh, go ahead and uh, keep an ear out on our social media. We're about to announce our live season. Um, our first performance actually is going to be a show called Men on the Line, which will be opening in early May. Um, so if you're around Norman and want to see some live theater, uh, we're going to be having we're going to have several shows actually this summer doing with uh, live performances that are all original works um, written by you know actual writers. So that'll be exciting. Um, and with that, I'll let the, everyone else introduce and plug their stuff. All right. Up with the mic. My name is Linnea Anderson. Continue to be. Um, no plugs this week. Currently got a new internship, though, so that's exciting. Maybe that'll develop into more whatever. Who's next? <laughs> I have been uh, Josh Robbins. Definitely go check out um, Hate's Antonym. I'm just going to replug that again. Thanks. That's really awesome. I had no idea about that. Um, yeah. Tune in um, every week. Thanks. And I have been Paxton and his ears. And it, we are out here. Um, I feel like I say this every week. Uh, there's stuff. There's stuff in the works. Just nothing to really tell yet. Uh, follow me anywhere I can be followed. It's at Paxon Paxoff. And uh We'll see you. I'll see you in two weeks. And then uh, Robert, if you want to say goodbye. Thanks for having me. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed my whimsical tellings. Uh, if you all are interested in uh, other services, maybe you all need help writing a uh, uh, plot ideas or any kind of themes for a story. Please let me know. Or you can contact me through someone um, and I'll be <laughs> available to help out any way I can. Just like throw a throw a tie a note to a bird and it'll find its way to Robert. <laughs> I'm basically like the ditch of the earth. So you throw some trash, it'll land in my in my house. So tie no a worries. note to an African jackal and it will <laughs> find Robert. It will right. find me. You just don't put a coconut on a swallow. The easy part is finding the jackal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and then uh lastly we of course have our producer Shanry, who has been uh watching these audio levels for us, which we deeply appreciate. Um, and I guess that's going to be it for this week. So until next time, um, thank you so much and happy building. <laughs>